welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited about our guest today, Freddie Cruz. We had way too much fun in the green room and uh, we almost forgot to start, you know, recording our own podcast. But I had the honor of meeting him through uh, Mickey Mickelson, um, who is part of Creative Edge. And let me tell you about my fellow podcaster, fellow author friend. Um, so his name is Freddie Cruz, like I said. He is the founder of Freddie Cruz Creative Works. It is a boutique media company in the greater Houston area. Freddie's work spans 26 years with the iconic KDWB Minneapolis, St. Paul, and 21 with the legendary two-time Marconi Award-winning KRBE Houston from copywriting and voiceover to audio production and big picture ideas. He is the quadruple threat you want to help elevate your brand. The greater Houston area has heard Freddie's voice for more than 17,000 hours via weekday shows, community affairs shows and podcasts. And he has elevated world-class brands by means of over 58,000 hours worth of production elements and traditional ads. When he's not in the lab creating auditory satisfaction, you can find him nose deep in a book, snuggling with his dog Sparrow, or jogging on the trail, trying hard not to sound like a horror movie villain. (laughs) But he is also an author. Uh, But check this out, people. He has promised, and we have it right here in history. He has promised to come back to talk all things podcast because I thought I knew a little bit, <laughs> but listen, Freddie pulled out equipment. He was dropping knowledge. He was, he, he was telling me about these big people, big names that he works with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to come back and teach us, right? We have your agreement before we even go into our interview. I, I will do whatever you ask me to do, but please do not accuse me of being some sort of expert. <laughs> okay. Not an expert, just really good at um, the podcast life. It's very yeah. kind of you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, <laughs> but but in the meantime, you you you're very gifted. You you're probably a really busy guy. So you've got a, a couple of books under your belt. Can you tell us about your books? Yeah, so I've released three three books between 2019 and 2022, which is no small feat for somebody who has spent most of that time working full-time with multiple hats. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the first book was, um, it wasn't my kid's idea, but they gave me the idea to write a book. And so I'm not one to back away from a challenge issued by <laughs> my two daughters. And so I was like, all right, yeah, I'll write a book. And then after the novelty wore off, I was like, okay, well, what do I write about? And at the time it was 2018 and there was a lot, just a lot of, a lot of, uh, national turmoil, so to speak. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I figured, you know what? Why not dance with the shadow yeah. and embrace the dark side that so many people have on the on the Internet <laughs> when they're keyboard warriors? And why not take all of these thoughts and all these observations? Because I love watching people. Yeah. Um, Renaissance Festival in Texas. Excellently people watching uh, wow. certain box stores that shall remain nameless. Excellent people watching. I love going to the mall. Uh, I'm not a creep. I'm just an observer of humanity. And the internet is the ultimate place for someone who likes to watch. And Mm -hmm. so I took all of these things and, and, and really did some soul searching about, well, why do, why do I feel these things about why this person feels one way and my family feels another and about what this powerful person is doing and then what his powerful opponents are telling us about them and what she's doing and what they're saying. And so all these months later, I had my first book, When America Fell Silent, which tells the tale of a ballistic first daughter who uh, loses her parents on inauguration day after her dad wins a landslide re-election she Mm. overthrows the united states government uh, and and all hell breaks loose wow she 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 yeah she repeals the first amendment she turns citizen against citizen and so yeah it's um it was fun to write and when i say dance with the shadow i danced with the shadow and it was it was a lot of um it was a lot of a lot of it had to do with showing people what a real what a real ty- tyrannical government looks like so it's a lot of it is is uh part 1984 part purge part hunger games and <laughs> all three of my favorite things wrapped into one yeah yeah oh my gosh <laughs> Oh, yeah. not the it was fun. Orwell. What? Okay. Can yeah. I just read a snippet about a description about this book? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Okay. With the nation split down the middle and his vengeful ex out for blood, it's Randall's duty to lead the resistance. As chaos and martial law reign, Elizabeth repeals the First Amendment and begins a campaign of public executions. But Randall vows to put a stop to the death and destruction, enlisting the help of a retired Green Beret, remember those guys, and rogue FBI agent. But democracy is never bulletproof. What a great line. Can an ex-SEAL and his rebels take down an unhinged dictator before America falls? Or will Randall find himself next on the nationally televised chopping block? This provocative, politically charged, dystopian thriller provides a dark glimpse at an all-too-possible future. That's what's terrifying, because the things that you describe that could that that happen, I feel that if we don't take our blinders off, <laughs> they, they could and will. <laughs> yeah. Two of the greatest compliments I received, and of course I know these guys, but I respect them very much. Two of the greatest compliments I received about that book were, one, this is like 1984 on steroids, yeah. and two, 
the book reminded me of the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And it made me think, of, it made me wonder what I would do if I were in the situation of some of these characters. Yeah. And so um, Orwell, like you, I love him. <laughs> um, and he he was, let's make Orwell fiction again. This, he's, yes, please. This is, please, let's make Orwell fiction again. Um, but the, the, the Gulag Archipelago line that I got from one of my buddies, um, he has no idea that I adore that book. Oh, wow. And Solzhenitsyn's work and what he did to essentially peacefully dismantle the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, without getting too much into what, what he did and, and his work, I, I first learned of, of him um, mm-hmm. on a podcast with hosted by a former seal uh jocko yeah. willink and it was jordan peterson and they were talking about how the gulag archipelago should be mandatory reading for school and i'm like well if these so. two guys are agreeing on it then maybe i need to go and see what this book is about i went yeah. to barnes noble got the book or asked about the book and the guy gave me the biggest smile bigger than my wife gave me that morning <laughs> and was like you made my day asking for this what? book and i'm like yeah. really he goes oh yeah. oh yeah he goes, come with me. So I follow him. And he, it was like, he was handing me, like, he was so proud to hand me the book. Yeah. And I read it and I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So, mm-hmm. but we're, yeah. we're talking about this because the fifth anniversary of the book is going to be next year. And so there will be a newly remixed version with a new beginning an alternate ending, uh, new characters and uh, new cover art. So yeah, it'll be bigger, badder. I shouldn't say better. Yeah, better's good. <laughs> better, bigger, better, Bad more characters. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I can't wait. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I love the I love the cover you have now. That that's a oh that's so, mm, it's so creepy, <laughs> but fun creepy. Um, yeah, good stuff. You know, I love that you mentioned that particular author because it just shows the power of our words and the power of writers i just feel like we are just some of the most vital important people um that will if people listen we can help we can either help or hinder and so our words have power that's why my tagline is always like piercing through the darkness you know so just be mindful of the things that you spew so so how about how about the books themselves um, do you have them as standalones or are you trying to build a body of work with connections between each book? They are all three standalones. The third one, Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas, is um, there will eventually be a sequel and I started it and then I got inside my head and this is something that I'm sure if you've talked to enough creatives, then you know that we're very susceptible to getting inside our own heads. And so I got a chapter and a half deep. And then I said, Freddie, you suck. And so I shut, I shut the journal, I shut it and it's uh, somewhere in my office. And Mm -hmm. if I feel like, um, if I feel like it'll, uh, like my writing will ever get back to where I feel like it's good enough to start again, then I'll do mm-hmm. that. But in the meantime, I've got the, 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 I've, I have a solid foundation for the, for the five-year anniversary book mm-hmm. that I'm yeah. working on. 
That sounds super creative. What what an interesting idea. So you change the beginning, you added characters, and then you change the ending. That's so super cool. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see, that lends to, I think that kind of fulfills something in an author because with us, we're all, we all, I'm always thinking about the beginning and the end. How, because of course, your beginning, you want to, you want to hook your audience. And so you want to see, huh, I wonder if the audience would be more hooked if I started with this. And then for the ending, we're always thinking like, did I end that well? Did I really wrap that up with a, with a neat little bow? I'm not sure. So it kind of, it kind of helps to fulfill whatever you had going on about that book. Yeah. And I will tell you of the three books, the ending for the first one was not my favorite. Yeah. I really nailed. I really, really, man, I, I read those final chapters for the last two books often because as, as much as I get inside my head, when I'm high on my own supply, so to speak, I'm really high on my own supply. (laughs) Like I'm a useless member of society high on my own supply. (laughs) Some people, some people do drugs. I read my own work. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, and and so the two are, I think, intertwined because I'll pick something up and I'm like, see, you did this. You can do this. Why won't you just get out of your head (laughs) and start with the thing you need to do? But then I won't. And and yeah, so. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you said that because getting into our own heads is often a dangerous thing, right? And I, you'll have these stumbling blocks. You'll, like you said, you'll have doubts, and uh, you pick up your writing. Sometimes I'm like, "How? How did I write this? I wrote this? Yeah. What? That's terrifying, <laughs> or that's interesting. That's 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 creepy." So, how did publishing your very first book change your process of writing, or did it change? I don't think that I really learned. Well. I learned a lot from mm-hmm. each different process. I learned different things. So for, for the first book specifically, uh, it got to a point. So I started in March of 2018. And then by the end of 2018, so a solid nine months, I had mm-hmm. written, revised, written, revised. And I got to a point where I thought to myself, this is as good as it's going to get, but it's not good enough. And so that was when I decided to hire a freelance developmental editor to find the plot holes and tell me what was wrong with what I was doing because Mm -hmm. I was too close to the work and I needed a professional. Mm -hmm. And so um, I hired her and she gave me a 27 page report and told me that I needed to sit down and have a good cup of coffee and to not get offended. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, to which I said, oh, bring it, baby. (laughs) Um, So I I loved, I loved what my, I have a friend who's a public speaker, a public speaking coach, and he calls it hot and cold feedback. And the hot feedback is the the good job feedback. And the cold feedback is the the criticism. And I, I have learned, especially after reading her 27 page reports, Mm. 
I learned to really embrace the cold feedback and I、mm-hmm. love everything about it. And、mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, you, you took this, you helped me take this story to places I never would have imagined、yeah. possible.、Mm, yeah. All because I went and sought it out.、Mm-hmm. But some people are so, whereas the two of us are talking about getting inside our own heads, a lot of these people, And I joke about being high on my own supply when it comes to my creativity.、Yeah. But there are a lot of people who they'll write crap <laughs> and, and they think it's the best thing since Hemingway. And you can't tell them one way or the other.、No. And, and that became apparent to me working with this lady because she's like,、yeah. uh, You're not paying me for this. You're、yeah. paying me to help you. Right. And so、yeah. if you want, it's essentially if you want someone to just stroke your ego, I'm not your woman. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. That's important for authors to hear that, you know, no matter what, you, no matter where you are in, in your、um, author journey, you know,、um, whether you're seasoned, you're as- aspiring, it's important to embrace the feedback. And I think seasoned authors, they get it, especially if they're successful. They've worked with developmental editors and they know that red means love. <laughs> and. <laughs> You want that feedback because, like you said, when you're on your own head, you understand your characters, you know what you want to say, and you will fill in the blanks. But for your reader, they don't, they don't, they're not in your mind. And so, that other editor giving you that critique is only going to help you get better. One of the best things you can possibly do, no matter how good you are, is to hire an editor because they'll see things that you will never see. Even if you are an editor, which I am, but I, I'm always having someone else look at my work. You know? So thank you for saying that. I appreciate it.、Absolutely. So now we were talking about before, you know, money spending, you know, good money spent on good products in, pod, in the podcast world. And when you come back on to do something about podcasting,、yeah. um, you'll talk about that more. But as an author, what is the best money you've ever spent? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person about、oh, no. that. I would,、uh, uh, as far as advertising and marketing, I don't, I'm not, I'm not expert enough to know about that. Yeah.、Uh, I will say, though, I will say, though, the best money I've ever spent was on that first developmental editor. Yes. Good. Okay. It, it, that, that is, if, if there's one thing. If there's one thing you do have a budget for. I would just make sure that it's an in, investing in in a good developmental editor. Yeah. And I say developmental because there's copy editing and then proofreading, which are two entirely different things. And so、um, you can you can hire the copy editor to also do the proofreading. Yeah.、Uh, but you can't, I mean, you could also hire. You could hire somebody who does all of those services,、mm-hmm. but it helps to break them up into two different people or even three. So,、mm-hmm. um, You can always have somebody copy edit. Copy editing, I feel, is a lot easier than developmental editing because that dives into more of the psychology behind the character development and the plot holes and,、yeah. and getting rid of chapters and rearranging things. So、mm-hmm. I feel like that is even more important.、Mm-hmm. And if you're an independent author, you can always, again, you can, you can learn how to copy edit. There's this、mm-hmm. thing called 
YouTube and you can learn how to do it on your own. You can have people proofread. If you've got really smart people in your network, if you've mm-hmm. got some teachers or educators or lawyers or whatever, and, yeah. and they're willing to give your story a chance and proofread it, you can do that. And don't That's get right. hung up on a random, um, on a random typo. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are big published books where there are typos in those books. So yeah. will it be perfect? No, it won't be perfect. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. nothing in this life is perfect, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would rec- my that's my number one recommendation is to get a, a solid developmental editor. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Good. Very sound, excellent advice. And I love the way that you broke down the different types of editing is because sometimes people just use a blanket word for editor and there are many different types. So tell me what does literary success look like to you? Like if you could have it all as an author, what would that look like? I think success, and I should practice what I preach. I think success (laughs) is just having the book finished. Yeah. Um, You know, my developmental editor of the first book, When America Fell Silent, you know, I got, it got murdered (laughs) by a major local (laughs) publication. Okay. It got, I mean, it was it was nasty. It was, it was borderline character attack and I've never met this guy. And, and, um, and so I shared the review with her and she says, Freddie, you won. The book is done. You wrote the book. It's out there. And this is, this is the win and everything else is, you know? Yeah. I love that attitude. Just, just feeling like no matter what, even even with some of the feedback, you still you still wrote a book. But so how do you how do you deal with you know your good and bad reviews? And do you do you read all of your reviews? I don't have very many reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have learned to, and you would think that somebody who's been in the entertainment business would know how to take negative feedback. <laughs> but this was this was next level crazy. I'll email yeah. you the review. I mean, yeah. he was. Oh. It was a beautiful takedown. I mean, it was just, it was genius actually. And I admire the guy for being able, for for have, having the lack of self-awareness of the poison that he was spewing. You know, a lot yeah. of it reminded me of the movie. You ever seen the movie Chef? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the bad review that he got? <laughs> That's what it reminded me of, except it was a book, not a restaurant. Yeah, and it was it was like the literary equivalent of that review, and I spent I spent the better part of a single weekend obsessing over this guy. Yeah, um, I went on his Twitter feed and was I mean it was unhealthy. Yeah. It was it, yeah. unhealthy. It can be yeah. And now I can talk about it in in hindsight because it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't bother me. I mean, like I said, what he wrote was actually beautiful. Yeah. It was a borderline character takedown, but whatever. It is what it is. And the people who like the book like the book. But Mm -hmm. I think um, I think that we creators need to have, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, we need to have tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and you can appreciate all of the feedback, good and bad. And you yeah. can be thankful for the great feedback and yeah. you can find something to be thankful for when it comes to the haters um, mm-hmm. and the people who have choice words, beautiful choice words. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I read and reread and reread that, that review 
and um and there was there he was accurate mm-hmm. on one point mm-hmm. uh structurally speaking which is a small reason why I want to do a fifth anniversary of uh okay. remix is that you know the mm. protagonist the yeah. protagonist didn't show up until after page 20 something and so okay. I'm like he's got an he's actually got an okay point there yeah um none of my editors found any problem with it and the people who liked the book didn't seem to have a problem with it but I'm like you know what structurally speaking I think it makes sense for the protagonist if he's if if this centers around the good guy I think yeah he should he should be in the book sooner and so that was yeah. something that I took I don't want to say took to heart mm-hmm. um but that's the first thing that comes to mind it's like yeah mm-hmm. okay I want to do what that guy told me. He totally, he crapped all over the rest of the book. Yeah. But But that was a very constructive criticism. That was a constructive uh, nugget of of criticism that he had. But you see, my my takeaway from this is, one, he read the book. So that's an honor. You know, he read your stuff. When when people take the time out to read your book, you're like, wow, thank you. Because there's so many other things that people could be doing, especially with all the books out there. And then... Two, uh, it's it's a lesson for us that when we give people feedback, we have to remember we don't attack the person. We are talking about the material. And we, even if we want to be honest, we need to have dignity and diplomacy and be kind. And no, we don't know how that could be affecting the other person. And then third, hey, you know what, Freddie? Let your haters be your motivators, okay? Because now... <laughs> Now you're going to do another version of the book. So look at how that spurred you on to Mm -hmm. now produce something different, you know? So in a way, I feel like you still won because now so much good has come out of it, you know? And I think having that book come out the time that it it will, I mean, (laughs) the timing will be great, I think. In terms of yeah. our our political climate, I think people it's can really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh my gosh, it's right. It's perfect. Yeah, listen, yeah, that guy helped you. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, he did. We yeah, thank and, him. <laughs> and, and the thing that really made me upset about about the release of the book was that it it wasn't even out but a few months, and then we shut down for COVID, and oh. so and all of the things. And all of the things that happened between 2020 and 2021, right? It was just, it was, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm politically atheist, so I don't have yeah. a side in this. I don't have a dog in this fight. Hey, you're I'm an like American, me. and yeah, I'm an American, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a proud American. But it's all a religion to me, and so, <laughs> and so, I'm like, oh. It's obsolete. <laughs> and so I want to re and so part of the remix is like integrating some of what some of these other things. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. perfect. It, it, yeah. It, it, it was it was almost too much fun. I don't think I've ever heard that term. You're po- that? you're a political atheist? That is hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, I'm not I'm not embracing atheism at all because I'm no, uh, no, 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 Religiously, no, no. I'm not. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm God's girl for real. But Me too. Well, I'm God's I, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can act like a girl sometimes. I don't know. I once dressed like the tooth fairy in my radio gig. That's a true story. <laughs> well, so did the rock. We don't, we're not going to worry about that. Yeah. 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 Um, but 
but that is so that's such a um that's such a good term oh my gosh if that was anyway yeah uh, yeah, we, we've realized that our world, our, our world is crazy and you're, you're looking at both sides, like you're, you're all nuts, right? That's so, yeah. that, that's yeah. such a funny term for, for those of us who are so confused. So anyway, before we, uh, cause I, I might be getting a whole bunch of emails and letters and, you know, uh, about that, but who I cares? apologize <laughs> on her behalf, everybody. I apologize. I will never come on this podcast ever again. Uh, I know you might want to learn about podcasting. Um, I'll, I'll email her question. I'll, I'll email her questions. Any questions you have, but you won't see me on this podcast. Oh, I apologize. No, no, I'm so don't sorry worry about that. We are going to let our haters be our motivators. Whatever you're coming back. You're coming back. So, so what kind of what kind of research did you do for that particular book? Or, you know, what kind of research do you normally do for your books? And how long do you end up spending to research? Well, I will tell you that I do. I did. Um, there were a handful of books that were the inspiration and that did provide some some knowledge um, for when America fell silent. There's a book called On Tyranny. Uh, the Gulag Archipelago was another one right. that that provided a lot of kind of psychological, sociological, mm-hmm. uh, whatnot uh, mm-hmm. context for me. Um, oh, what was counter surveillance? There, mm-hmm. there were there were some surveillance books that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, studying Snowden, studying Assange. Um, yeah, um, renegade history of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, lots of podcasts about free speech, mm-hmm. um, studying a lot of articles about, uh, weapons and such, cause I'm mm-hmm. not ex-military and yeah. so, and I'm certainly not a SEAL and those guys <laughs> are next level amazing. So mm-hmm. it was hours of of listening to podcasts and yeah. uh, finding out how they talked, find, learning about their lingo and yeah. watching YouTube videos. And so yeah. it, it, it was a, it was a work in progress and mm-hmm. uh, there, there, there are things that I got right. And mm-hmm. there may have been a detail or two that maybe wasn't uh, maybe the creative license went a little bit far, <laughs> but um, you know, I've got some friends who, who read the book and I've got readers who read the book who were ex military and they, they, they seem to enjoy it. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I stand by, I stand by my work knowing that it went through the ringer like that. And the second book went through the ringer like that. The -hmm. third one kind of went through the ringer. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Hmm. About, so about how many, how many hours a day or a week or a month do you contribute to writing? You, You have a schedule. For fiction writing, not nearly as much as I should be because I'm yeah. in my head. But right. as far as all the the business stuff, I'm typically writing between an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. But it's all client writing. It's copywriting and yeah. and show notes and mm-hmm. show prep for my podcast. So yeah. it, it's I am writing, but it's not creative writing, so to speak. Okay. Not in the not in the not in the sense that we fiction writers would think of as creative right. writing. Hmm. Yeah. And then what about, what about your books? Like how long does it usually take you to finish a project? 
Mm, yeah. Uh, for the first one, I got to that manuscript and took it to the developmental editor after nine months. Mm. Um, they canceled the DJ, was written relatively quickly. Um, but then it, I put it off because uh, it was 2020 and I didn't want to release a book in 2020. Um, yeah. But that took <laughs> about a year. Why. Yeah. And, um, and then I began allow me to ruin your Christmas. I began that one in spring of 2021. So I began that one before I released, they canceled the DJ. So mm. it was like, um, it's Chuck Polinick. He's the guy who wrote fight club. And he's like, uh, it's kind of like dating where you, you, you don't dump your current, your current boyfriend or girlfriend until you have another one lined up. <laughs> And so he's like, don't, you know, you're starting on a, on a new book before the other one is released. And so yeah. I was like, that's, I love that mentality. That way you don't get, and of course I did, but that way you don't get lazy creatively speaking. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I started, uh, allow me to ruin your Christmas as an untitled Christmas thriller, uh, in spring of, I say spring, I think spring of 2021. Yeah. And then Tell eventually released it. Tell us a little bit about it. what that is. What's that, what's that about? <clears throat> allow me to. Yeah. Um, Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas is unlike any book that I've ever re uh, read, written, um, <laughs> in that it's alternating first person POV and it follows a college kid who catches his mother in the middle of, in, in the middle of a tri tryst with his favorite podcaster and his favorite podcaster, lo and behold, ends up being somehow involved with this guy's father's death. And oh. so it turns into a whole little thing of, of revenge. He stalks the guy. He's all of a sudden, obviously not his favorite podcaster anymore. No. Uh, and so he's stalking him. He seduces his wife. He seduces, oh. uh, tricks his, his, uh, his daughter into going on going out so he's about to start seducing his daughter things go really bad for lex lex is the podcaster and um things just it's my editor god rest his soul uh Aww. jim christina he passed Aww. away during the process um Aww. of editing but he was like it's Sorry. a slow build but mm -hmm. it you know it's a slow build but when the climax hits yeah. i'm telling you the climax, it just, it's like build, 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 build. It's like a hill, a yeah. hill. And then all of a sudden you go like that. And then phew, just spirals wow. out of control and it's mayhem. And it's like, you thought you hated these characters before. Yeah. Now you don't know which character to root for. Are you oh. rooting for their downfall? Are you rooting for them to get revenge? Oh my gosh. I feel like a terrible person for cheering for this one. <laughs> a lot of times in our movies right well yeah I, you're like i can't believe i'm rooting for this person uh you know but that's a that's the art of a skillful writer you know i can't oh my gosh i can't wait to check that one out and then the uh the one about the dj tell, tell us just a little snippet about that one yeah, so he he meets a Mrs. Right now, not a Mrs. Right, even though yeah. he thinks she's Mrs. Right, uh -huh. and um, at a he's a radio station, he's a radio guy, obviously. Yeah. So there is some influence there, but he um, he meets her, and she ends up long, long story short ditching him on stage for <laughs> the world's famous music, the world's most famous musician, River Bronzewell, oh. 
oh, uh, wow. fictitious, fictitious character, by the way. Yeah. And um, yeah, so he he uses his pool to get her backstage to meet River. And then River ends up smitten for her and she ends up smitten for him. Um, and so, yeah, she ditches him on stage before thousands. And then it's sort of this uh, comedy of errors in an attempt to get revenge on uh, on on River and his girlfriend. Oh, wow. Okay. Does someone end up dead? No. Okay. All right. That sounds exciting, though. What a, what a Unlike the premise. other one. Yeah. <laughs> unlike the, unlike allow me to ruin your Christmas. Uh, yeah. There is there is death involved and it's not good. That's terrifying. Well, oh my gosh, Freddie, I cannot believe that we are here at the end of our time. This has been so much fun and you have to come back. Don't worry about the haters. They will be our <laughs> motivators. <laughs> I, I need I'll that to back. be a tagline. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell our listeners how we can stay in touch with you. Absolutely. freddycruz.link slash books or freddycruz.link slash podcast. Okay. All right. Easy enough. Well, listeners, um, thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, we had a lot of fun today. Um, we learned a lot. We're looking forward to our next time with Freddie. Um, and listen, authors, experts, and everybody in between, let's not forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written 